Today's going to be a little different today because we were going to honor our young people today. And um, God is just doing a lot with the young people in the church. And so we want to give them an opportunity. We used to go into Mexico, and then we'd do a Mexico Sunday where different people would get up and share. And so we're sort of um, opening that opportunity today. And so we're going to hear from different people. And so just um, sit back and enjoy our time. And Shelly is doing such a great job with our young adults and uh, she really pours herself into the kids, and her and Savannah have been just uh, just really praying and pouring into the young adults, and you can really, really tell. Oh, here goes Shell. Good morning. I'm not going up there. <laughs> oh, well, you, you can see me. There's no problem seeing me. Come on. So um, I, I felt like, uh, well, first of all, uh, you guys are in for a great experience right now um, because uh, I'm sure you've seen um, we came back on fire for God, and we are here to spread that fire to everyone here. And so um, t- this morning, uh, you know, Dory wanted me to do a little introduction, and I felt like God was telling me to show you how he's been working in this whole process up to us going to the Jesus Culture Conference and then this point today. So um, I just want to kind of lay out a couple things and share a few things with you. Um, On November 20th of 2011, Ben was up here speaking to you guys on a Sunday. And through that message, I felt God put on my heart the need for a young adults group. So from there, I put together a proposal um, for the board to um, look at. And just so you know, I wasn't asking to be the leader, okay? So that was God's directing on them. Um, That was not ever my understanding or intention, but um, I was uh, willing when Dory and Bruce felt like that was what was supposed to happen. So then on January 23rd, 2012, uh, God God began to speak to me about the young adult's role in revival. And me and Judy and Norm would sit there uh, when we'd get together and we would talk a lot about it. And they are also um, someone who was really feeling that. And on January 23rd, I journaled, Jesus, prepare the way. Begin to work in the hearts and minds of the young adults. Draw them in from near and far. Prepare them to lead in the church. Prepare them to minister in the revival you are going to do. So the young adults uh, group started with the church, or started here at the church with the small group Bible study on holy ambition that we started this year. The theme verse that study focuses around is 2 Corinthians 16, 9, which says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. During this study, many of the members began to receive burdens for different areas, some of those areas being our own youth. We then had a group meeting where, all we, went, uh, where we all went into our own areas and just listened to God. We then used our creative side that God had given us some of us more than others. Um, 
some drew pictures, some had art and verses put together, some wrote poems. Here's what God gave me to speak over them. I believe God wants to use this generation to impact the world. Why? Because it's this generation that is usually off seeking their own will, their own desires, their own dreams, instead of those of God. A generation that is lost, need, that is lost and needs examples of God's light. It's on, it only takes a little light to brighten a, patch black, a pitch black room. It only takes a remnant of Christ to bring his light into a darkened culture. Only God can fulfill your, t- your true desires. Only he can make you feel worthy and whole in a fallen world. When sold out, when touched deeply be- by God, your generation becomes passionate. It moves mountains for God. He wants to move in you and through you. You are his mighty warriors, and he will arm you for every battle set before you. He wants you to trust him, to rely on him, to trust him with your whole being. You will never regret being his vessel to use because he, will always, he always has your best interest at heart. He wants you to be a generation that seeks his face, a generation that seeks him first and foremost, knowing that if you seek him, he will provide. He will take care of every circumstance. He wants you to be a generation baptized in the Holy Spirit and led by his prompting, filled with his power, speaking his words given you. He wants to be one with you. This is not something to fear, but something to pursue. So from that, I'm sure most of them did not realize what was going to come of that. But from that night, we put together, so from what a lot of us felt God was speaking to us in that quiet time. We put together some ideas for a name to name the young adult group. And unanimously, we picked Ignite. So the letters of Ignite mean individuals growing nations into transformed examples. So we are individuals, or they are, Individuals saved by grace, grounded in the word of God, and committed to obey his commandments. We, or they, are called to grow our nations through discipleship of individuals. We will do this first in our own community and then beyond with the companionship and leadership of the Holy Spirit. We believe others will be made into transformed examples of Christ through acceptance, fellowship, encouragement, and obedience. God was moving already. One by one, young adults began to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We then began the study called the Holy Spirit and His Gifts. We also began preparation to go to Jesus Culture Conference. That brings us to the Jesus Culture Conference. And they're going to get up here and try to give you a little inkling of what we experience. It's very hard to put into words, but our desire is not to come down from that. Our desire is to stay up and to bring all of you up on the mountain with us. So basically that conference was three days of church from 9 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. And during that time, we worshiped sometimes two hours straight. Then we had speakers, then we worshiped another two, two and a half hours, then we had speakers. So, and then when they released us for lunch and for dinner, 
they commissioned us to go out into the city, into downtown L.A., and to ask people if we could pray for them, to be led by the Holy Spirit on who we should pray for, and then walk up to them and ask if we could pray for them and how we could pray for them. And if they said no, then we were to move on to the next person but, and not be offended by that, okay? And for someone like me who's from L.A., I've been on mission trips. That's easy. Try doing it in your own community, in your own town. To me, that was a, a, a huge barrier that was overcome. And let me tell you, they stepped out right away. They were all over that. And they were running. Adrian ran down the street from Chipotle after some guy, you know, that he knew God had told him. God had given him a vision of a green shirt and, and a certain building. And he saw that. And out the door he went, right in the middle of our lunch. Um, Savannah, too. Savannah all of a sudden disappears out of the door. She's running to try to go across the street. She gets up to this lady, and the lady doesn't speak any English. But she prayed for it. The lady let her pray for her. You know, there is amazing things. Uh, 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 a lady was walking towards us right after we had left, and her and her husband were walking. She was pregnant, and she took a step and fell right in front of us. And Nancy and Kat just felt like they were supposed to pray for her. So they went running after her. We all made sure she was okay, but they went running after her, and they let them stop, and they stopped and let them pray over them. And, and I mean, just amazing stories and miracles were happening in the streets of Los Angeles. The theme of the conference was transformation and revival, not just to the young generation, but through the young generation to the world. In Matthew 3.11, John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. This morning you witnessed the baptism by water. Get ready for revival because you're about to witness the fire burning in the individuals of Ignite. So our first person who's going to share with you is Daniel. Good morning. Well, it is always quite the honor and a privilege to be able to uh, come and share with you guys, um, especially uh, after the experience that we've, that we've really had um, down in L.A. It was absolutely phenomenal, absolutely amazing. And my prayer is that every single one of you would, would catch that same fire because the thing is, guys, it's the same Holy Spirit here today in this place that was down there in L.A. rocking L.A., so it's the same Holy Spirit that's going to come back with us and that's going to rock Hollister. I hope you're ready because if you're not, you better brace yourself and get ready. Start praying. One of the main things at this conference that really struck me um, is they were talking a lot about revival, revival, revival. That was one of the main themes of this, of this conference. And I know um, I shared that Sunday when we got back about a little bit about revival and about what I felt God had spoken to me. And I just want to reiterate that a little bit. I felt that Norm, a while back, was talking a lot about the Azusa Street revival, and, and he was feeling, you know, the Holy Spirit's impressing on him. Revival is coming, and he's comparing it to this Azusa Street revival. And they did a lot of that, comparing it of, of what's coming. Um, but the thing that God had, had really spoken to me 
was what's coming is going to completely eclipse what has happened in the past. It's going to completely eclipse what has happened in the past. However, I feel like when we went to the conference, they explained a lot about what was going on at that time. And I feel that a key is needed for, for this revival, and this is what it is. During, during that time, one of the key leaders of the Azusa Street Revival um, was contacting other pastors where revivals were happening. and was asking, you know, what, what's going on that God is moving so powerfully? And the response he received was that Christians are seeking God's holiness above all else. That means they're putting away sin completely, not just the blatant sin, but they're putting away all of the gray areas. They're getting rid of all of the gray areas and seeking his holiness and his righteousness completely. That is a huge key factor in, in bringing this revival. So if it's a questionable thing where you're having to justify to yourself that this is okay, it's not okay. It needs to go. You have to seek God's holiness 100%. No gray areas. I was up here a little while before, and I spoke about spiritual warfare. And the author of that book, Kenny Luck, he says that God will not entrust the spiritual fight to someone who deals with the devil, to someone who allows moral darkness in their life. So if you have those gray areas, they need to go. No more justifying. We need to seek his holiness. And that is what's going to spark the fire of revival. That's what's going to open the way for God to be like, okay, these are, man, what Shelley just said, that, that um, the quote from Holy Ambition, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro for someone whose heart is fully his. When you're seeking his holiness, your heart is fully his, and he's going to give you the power and the strength to do what needs to be done, and that's what's going to bring a revival. And, you know, we, like she said, it was church. It was church for three days all the time. We were worshiping and praising, and it, it got crazy, and it was awesome. And the power of the Holy Spirit was really there just moving. And one of the things is we need to continue that. We need to, to, to keep that up. And it's our praises that keep that fire going. It's our praises to God that really fan the flame in our hearts to keep that passion level up, to not become complacent, to not isolate. We have to praise, praise God and praise him in everything. Recently, um, when I got back, I was catching up on some of the sermons that I'd missed from being off at Jesus Culture and uh, this individual at the city church had a guest speaker, and he was speaking on a problem called praise. And it's pretty interesting. I'm like, what do you mean a problem called praise? Praise is awesome. And he goes on to explain that praise is a problem for your problem. And I thought that was so profound because at the conference they talked about how just us being there and praising and worshiping God was actually changing the atmosphere in Los Angeles. It was, it was opening things up. For God to move because people were praising God. And that's the same thing that happens here. That's, you know, every Sunday we praise God. It changes things around. It opens doors here in Hollister for you to go out and do things you couldn't do before. And I really, really love the story that this gentleman brings up when he's talking about the problem of praise. He's talking about Paul and Silas. They're in prison. They're probably about to be, about to be killed. And they're praising God. And I love what he has to say about this. He says that 
praise, what happened there is, is they it broke their chains, let everybody free, and somebody met Jesus. That's pretty awesome. And all they were doing was praising. So praising doesn't just affect you, it affects those around you. And it can lead people to Jesus just because you're praising. And in addition to that, I love his quote. It's a, he says, praise has to overcome your preference. Maybe you didn't like the songs we sang this morning. Praise God anyway. Maybe you don't like my worship style. Praise God anyway. And if you look at the and he gave a great example of people who, who praise and worship. And it's like, oh, I don't know how to praise. Yes, you do. Go look at someone at the Olympics. Go look at someone at a football game. Okay? None of those athletes have ever saved a fan's soul. But Jesus did. So we need to praise because he saved our soul. He saved mine. He saved yours. So that's how we need to praise. And if you don't know how, just, just look at that and be like, okay, I can do that. I can do that for Jesus. I can do that for someone who, who saved my soul. <laughs> Woo! All right. And with that also, um, they talked, like Shelly was saying, they talked about, um, I guess it was called like power evangelism. So during our breaks and lunches and things like that, we'd actually go out to the streets of L.A., and pray for, for people that God was laying on our hearts. Like, wow, I, I need to pray for that person. And uh, he shared all kinds of stories about, you know, people getting healed, coming out of wheelchairs, you know, backs being straightened, you know, casts coming off, um, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And, again, that, that same power, that same Holy Spirit isn't just at revivals and conferences and things. It's every single day that that, that, that can happen. Uh, I think part of the problem, though, that we have is we think, oh, I got I to gotta heal somebody. I got to save someone's soul. And no, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to heal anybody. You don't have to save anybody's soul. You can't. You can't heal anybody. You can't save their soul. God's got to do it. And, and I love this point. He says, just do your job because the Holy Spirit never fails to do his. It's God's super on your natural. So you just do what God tells you to do, and he will bring the super to the natural. It's completely awesome. And then a lot of times we, we shrink back and think, like, I, I can't do it. I'm too nervous. I'm too scared. Or maybe, you know, uh, I don't have enough time, or I just don't want to do it. I was also listening to another message, and uh, the pastor was contrasting uh, David and Saul and comparing, you know, what they did and why Saul was rejected and why David was, you know, the man after God's own heart. And he, he broke it down and looking at it, honestly, like what Saul did was petty. What David did was atrocious. But yet he was the man after God's own heart and Saul was just, you know, the, the guy that, that God rejected as king. But the difference was in everything, Saul was rebellious against God. He hid, he shrunk back, he, he put accusations on other people. No, that wasn't me, that was them. You know, the people did this, or the people did that, or, you know, you, you prophet didn't tell me in time, you didn't come and show up in time, so I had to do it. And he was rebellious. And David, he was submitted to God. He was surrendered to God. He screwed up, the prophet comes to him, what did he do? Oh my God, forgive me, what have I done? And that, that is the thing. 
God will not accept your rebellion. He wants your submission. He wants your surrender. And that's how you're going to see. If you want to be a part of the revival, you want to see God really move in your life and your family's life and the people around you, you have to be submitted to God. When he says go, when he says do, you go, you do. And this whole thing ties together because when you're seeking his holiness, that's not going to be a problem for you. It's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. And when God tells you to do something, you don't have to worry about, oh, I got to heal them. Oh, I got to save their soul. Just do the natural. And he will put his super on it. And this one last thing, it says, he, the, the preacher he brought up and mentioned, how do we know that God's going to put his super on your natural? How do we know that he's going to do more? Is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think according to his power that works in us. Thank you. Hey guys, my name's Josh, <clears throat> and so <laughs> um, they were these those days were just incredible, and I'm so thankful that I went. I went with the mindset of, okay, God's gonna show me something about revival, but He didn't show me something He uh, about revival. He showed me something about myself. And before I actually tell you guys what happened, I wanted to let you guys know on two things about me. Um, I love meeting new people. That is my thing. Every semester, I go so excited. I'm like, okay, I'm going to meet these people. And then, like, three weeks pass by, and I'm like, I want a new class. I want new people. And to see, I need to go. But with that loving people, I get very attached. And um, it's hard to let go and to know that, to feel that I always have to be with that person. That's one thing I struggle. And the second thing is, growing up, my dad was always there. He always loved on me, but he never took me out to throw ball. He never taught me how to do guy things. So I feel like with that, I have a hard time connecting with other guys. So on Thursday, started off, it was okay day, and we went to our first session, which was the power of evangelism. And so leaving, everybody was like, yeah, God, show me this, God, show me that. And I was like, I didn't get anything. That's where the rejection, where I started feeling rejected. And just walking to lunch and to, to Chipotle, Everybody was just having a good time, and they weren't doing anything, but I still felt rejected by them. And so I just kept walking and walking. I was like, I don't want to be here. I just want to go get lost in L.A. and spend my own time and just deal with my own problems. And so it was the, the whole rest of the day, I just felt really rejected. And, and then at night, it was like 1230. I could not go to sleep. And I, thought, I just kept thinking, I need to get out, go do something to get my mind off of everything that just happened. And so um, I found a gym like in, within the lobby. And so I just decided to run on the treadmill, and I was just venting at God. I was like, God, I don't understand why you made me like this. I don't comprehend why I struggle with certain things. And um, as I was running, I started singing this song that we sing here in church, and it says, when I don't understand, I will choose you. When I don't understand, I will choose to love you, God, for you are good to me. I went to bed thinking, God, I don't, I don't get why you said that to me. I don't want to hear that right now. And so um, Friday comes, and the very first, yeah, no, for, uh, yeah, for, uh, Saturday, that's what I meant. And the very first session, we had Jack Hamilton lead worship. And one of the songs just hit me so hard. 
And um, the bridge of the song said, my daddy loves me. And I couldn't hold it, and I just broke down. And just thinking about it, when I thought of the word daddy, I pictured this little kid saying, daddy, daddy, look what I found. I found this little piece of, I found this rock. Daddy, look it. And the dad coming down to meet his kid and saying, I'm proud of you. I love you, my son. And, and through this conference, that's what I felt like God did to me. I felt like he came down and met me in my place and said, I love you, my son, and I'm proud of you. And I just really wanted to share that because I know I'm not the only one with father issues. And maybe you had different father issues than I did, but he wants to meet you in that place and say, I love you, my child. I am proud of you. Thanks, guys. I'm so nervous. Okay. <laughs> um, ah, don't do this. Jesus culture was really hard for me. Um, the first day that I left, I was just, I was just not following God at all. I was um, just really messing up a lot. Um, but with that came a lot of condemnation, and I was just tearing myself down and just beating myself up about everything. And um, the first day was okay. The worship was all right. I was just standing there like like this, and everybody was like, "What's wrong with you? Why aren't you, why aren't you worshiping?" And I was like, "Cause I don't want to." And um, I don't know what it was, but the second night we had this speaker named Claudio, and like he kept speaking Spanish a lot, and I didn't understand him. But um, he just I I wouldn't raise my arms before, and he just said like, "Raise your arms." He was like, "Just raise your hands." So I did, and I don't know what it was, but when I did that, like, all these chains were just broken off of me. And um, <laughs> um, I, it was like everything that I was struggling with before, it was gone. It was like, you know, I forgive you. Like, God was telling me, I forgive you. You have to forgive yourself. And um, after that, my worship changed. Like, everything changed, and I had this new fuego, this new fire that um, <laughs> I, I was just able to... <laughs> Um, I was just able to raise my hands and to really just worship God and let go and to surrender. And I think that was a really big thing for me was just surrendering. I like having control over myself and other people. And um, God really broke that off of me this weekend. So thank you. I just wanted to say something really quickly. Well, I'm gonna, I have a few minutes, so I'm going to say a lot. But uh, <laughs> before I get into that, um, I was kind of doubting what God was saying to me. I was like, this isn't going to link up with anybody's. Like, this is just me, and I don't even understand what you're telling me. So how can I share this with other people? And then every time one of you guys got up here, I was like, what? God totally told me that. What? Oh, my gosh, that totally links in. And I, I'm hoping, like, because I didn't really write any notes, um, but I'm hoping it, it works out. Um, but then I, I will also wanted to say, um, God's been teaching me a lot about uh, not comparing myself to other people. And um, when I was at Jesus Culture, 
I went there with the mindset of, okay, I'm leading them, so I have to make sure, like, they're good, like, they're meeting with God, and then, you know, whatever's left over, then I'll see if God can give me something, too. And I talked with Josh um, a little bit uh, one lunch that we had, and he was telling me that uh, I do everything for a lot of people, but... um, Um, but if I didn't have to, I probably wouldn't even eat. And I told him, you know, you're right, except I really love food. So (laughs) I would eat at some point, but it totally just hit me, like, the way that he said it, and there was so much love when he said it, and um, and just seeing, like, this isn't just an opportunity for them to get fed. This is a time when God wants to meet me. Um, And uh, so while we were at Jesus Culture, I was like, Again, comparing myself, they're totally meeting you, God, and I'm like, uh, I don't know what what is happening. And I was like, try, I felt like I was running and running, and then I'd stop, and I was like, I don't know what this is. And then so I'd like go back, and then I run and run and run, and then stop. I'm like, I don't know what that is, and I can't even see what it looks like. And so I just kept doing that, and I was like, God, what is this? And so uh, one evening, I was actually talking to Haley, and then she told everyone that I need prayer. <laughs> um, and, and I was like, thanks. I'm really glad that happened because I, I don't usually ask for prayer. Um, and I really needed it. And uh, I was just, every word that they spoke over me, it was incredible because I have never had them pray like that over me. And it was so powerful and God was there. And I was like doing that convulsive weeping where it's like you try to hold it in and then it just sounds worse. So you may as well just like, <laughs> like do it. And so, so many things were, like, coming back, and I didn't understand, like, I thought I worked through this, I, you know, didn't we do that last year, like, I don't understand why it's coming up again, um, but then there was this very specific word, um, like, it was an, a vision that someone had, um, of me dancing, and I, it linked in with another word that someone got, and I knew God wanted to do healing, not only for other people, he wanted to use me to heal people, but first I needed to encounter that healing, um, and, uh, then God on Saturday showed me, um, cause I wanted to see, okay, what's this wall? Because I'm not getting past it. I'm, I'm not going anywhere and I feel like I'm not connecting with you, God. And then, uh, he showed me something that happened last year. And when I got back from my missions trip, to be honest, I did not want to be here at all. Like, and I missed my flight the first day. So I thought, yeah, I'm not supposed to go back home. No, God wanted me home. That was just uh, a little hiccup in the road. Um, But this whole year, it's been incredibly hard because God spoke a lot of promises over me when I was away. And I wanted them then. I was like, okay, if I stay here where I got the promises, that means they're going to happen, right? No, (laughs) that doesn't mean that at all, and I don't really know where that came from. Um, But I ran towards these things that I wanted, but I did it outside of God's will, like outside of his timing for me. And um, sorry to you guys, there was a lot of uh, stubbornness that came up and just outright anger, and I was like, whoa, that's not me, right? It was totally me. (laughs) It was inside. Um, And like Jerry Mermis was talking about, that's our carnal, carnal nature, that's the rebellion, because I was on the throne of my life, and it was about me and what I wanted in my timing, not about God and what he wanted and the way he wants to use me. Um, and God gave me this, this like, 
image of what I was doing. Um, have you guys ever heard of a bungee run? I had to look it up because they didn't know what it was called. So it's like this jump house thingy, and uh, you like strap this thing on you, and then you're supposed to run, and then like get this thing, and it pulls you back. It's it's kind of just an opportunity for your friends to make fun of you. <laughs> but I remember doing it once at a 4th of July thing, which I thought was really interesting because God was doing a lot of freedom for me, and he reminded me of this when it's the day of our freedom. Um, but it's this thing where you, you tie this belt on you, and it's like kind of like a life vest type thing, and then they strap the bungee cord to you, and you're running and running running, and you try and like, you either throw it, uh, being back to see how far you can get it and you're racing someone again the competing thing um, you throw <laughs> the beanbag or you try and reach for it and you never really get to that point because it's really hard to do it you just look really dumb but um, God was showing me that's what I was doing like the tower where the bungee attaches that was God um, his strong tower the place of refuge and strength and um, the cord was God's love but uh, the belt, that's the belt of truth, right? In Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God. Um, and we put on the belt of truth, but it also says we put on the breastplate of righteousness. And I realized it wasn't just a belt that I was buckling. It was a whole vest type thing. And um, that's God. But um, Jesus also says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one can come to the Father except through me. So when we buckle on the truth... And the breastplate of righteousness, it's like life vest, and our Savior is Jesus. So we're linked to him because we're buckling him on. But then the cord, which is God's love, is linking us back to him. What we're supposed to be doing is running to him, the tower, and climbing up. But what I was doing is I want my way, and I had this plan that was on my beanbags and everything, and I was like, throw it. Now run, 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 run. And I was not making it at all. I was far from it. Um, and God was showing me, you need to turn around and now run to me and sit under the shadow of my, my wings because that's where my love is made complete, in my presence. Um, oh, I had that verse somewhere. I'm trying to give you guys some verses, too. Um, blah, blah, blah. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Um, so when we're, we're in case with God's love, there is freedom there. But God also showed me that I was like the prodigal son, and I thought, you're crazy. I haven't even left. Like, I stayed here, right? I submitted. No. My heart was like the prodigal son. I went. I left. I um, literally tried to go to a distant nation, <laughs> and... Um, and when I realized what I'd done, and I tried to turn back, and I realized even in my father's house, there's food, you know? They're satisfied. They're, they're fed because God loves his servants. Um, my father loves them. Um, I turned back, and I got in this mindset of, okay, I'll just give everyone else, you know? I'll just go back and ask my God. I'll ask my father if he'll welcome me in again. And if he'll let me just serve, that's all I want to do. And I'll just get that slop, that disgusting whatever is left over. I'll just get that, and I'll be filled. But then God told me, I saw you, Savannah. My child, I saw you when you were a long way off. Um, because 
in, in the message version, it says, um, in Luke 15, when it's talking about the prodigal son, it says that um, the son, what he, um, that version says that he wanted what was coming to him. So God's promises that were coming to me, I wanted them then. I went for them, and when I tried to come back, I was like, no, you can't love me. I'm so bad. I did it wrong. But God said, no, I saw you. I still see you. I saw you when you were sinning, and I sent my son for you. Now look, come with me. And he told me, um, it was like I saw him doing all of it. He said, um, the guilt and shame that you saw in that moment, I've clothed you in robes of righteousness. You're clean. And then he said, the ring, that means you're mine. That means you have authority, Savannah, to speak. So I'm here speaking because I have authority. Um, we have Jesus Christ's authority. And then he also said the shoes because that means you are a son. If you're wearing sandals, you're, you're a son or a daughter in that house. Um, and he said, he reminded me of a promise he spoke to me about how precious are the feet of those who preach the good news. Um, and so he said, I'm mine. Now walk and enter in to um, the, the, the gates of thanksgiving or the courts of praise, whatever it is, we're there in that, that wedding banquet. And as the bride, we're meant to go in. But then he showed me I was also the other son too. So I was welcome in. But then I was the other son saying, what about me? I was comparing again. What about me? Everyone else, you're giving to them. What about me? And God said, you've put a limit on the promises that I can give you because you still don't think you're worthy. But God said, I've made you worthy. Now receive them. And so today I really want to encourage you, go to that place with God so that you can be healed and so that you can receive the promises so that God's word can be played out in your life because it says um, his word will never return to him void. So what he spoke to me is going to happen, but it's in his timing and his way, not the way I imagined it. morning everyone um before i just share i wanted to um thank bruce and dory and um everyone that gave to us um, that prayed for us without you guys we wouldn't have um been able to go it was so awesome and, uh, i'm trying not to cry <laughs> um, <laughs> um so oh thanks joe um God gave me a verse this week, and um, um, it's First uh, Timothy four twelve, and um, well, really through fifteen, but I'm just going to share twelve. Um, it says, "Don't let anyone look down on you be, um, because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity." And um, uh, this weekend was um, awesome. I mean, uh, Jesus Culture Conference. Um, for me personally, just um, to be around everyone that was worshiping um, freely and just not worried about the person next to them and just um, giving God their all. I mean, <laughs> it was it was really good. And um, personally, God showed me, you know, that um, that I do have authority, like Savannah was saying, and um, that he has called me. And <laughs> even though I don't want to do what he's telling me to do, that um, 
I'm in, I'm in leadership, and um, he's going to use my voice to touch people. And I've had that spoken over me, and <laughs> I'm fighting God on it. But, you know, he really told me that. And so I had to submit to that and, you know, just um, let God work through me. And so um, I don't, you know, I'm not going to share too much, but, um, yeah, that was pretty much what God told me. And um, there's a lot more to share, but <laughs> I'm having trouble um, putting it into words. So. Thanks, everyone.